Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Genesis 43. So Judah steps up, and Judah said to his father, Israel, Send the lad with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die. Look, Dad, we're up against the wall here. We as well as you and our little ones, there's a lot at stake. I myself, says Judah, will be surety for him. You may hold me responsible for him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame before you forever. Wow. Judah steps up. Judah's becoming a man of honor And there's some interesting symbolism here, I think, with the lion of the tribe of Judah. You can maybe ponder that a little bit more, but he says, I will bear the blame forever if I don't come through. For if we had not delayed, surely now we could have returned twice. So time has gone by. They've been mulling over things. Dad's been obviously depressed, and now they're out of food. And Judah's saying, look, Dad, we could have we gone and come back a couple of times. And so Israel responds. He says, if it must be so, then do this. Take some of the best products of the land in your bags and carry down to the man as a present a little balm, a little honey, aromatic gum and myrrh, pistachio nuts and almonds. Now Jacob says, okay, I'm going to surrender to the inevitable that you have to go back and you have to take Benjamin. But I want you to take a care package for this mysterious Egyptian leader. So notice what he says to put in there. Put some balm and a little honey and aromatic gum and myrrh. Does that look familiar to any of you? Do you know that the caravan that was uh, going along and picked up Joseph that was heading to Egypt was carrying very similar items? There's some irony here. And so he says, put this care package together, and I want you to take all these things, including the pistachio nuts and almonds, and I want you to take it to the man. And Jacob, uh, who's now called Israel, says, prepare this this, uh, care package and take double the money, verse 12, in your hand. Take back in your hand the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was a mistake. Take your brother also and arise and return to the man. I'm pro- I probably, I believe he probably said this with a gulp. And then he says, and may God Almighty, if you're interested, that's the name El Shaddai. El Shaddai means God is the controller of life. He's the one who um, uh, holds it all together. He says, may God Almighty, may El Shaddai grant you compassion. That's the word rakam. It's the word mercy in the sight of this man. That he may release to you your other brother, Simeon, and Benjamin. And as for me, he says, if I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. Shakal is the word in Hebrew. It means if I am made childless, then I am made childless. It's the word in Hebrew Uh, used for when a woman miscarries a child. When I first read this, I I was thinking Jacob was saying, you know, on one hand, he was praying a prayer of faith. He was being a man of God. May God grant you mercy and compassion in the sight of this man. But then when I saw the next statement, I am bereaved of my children, I thought he's kind of like that man in Mark 9 who says, Lord, I believe, but 
help my unbelief. But then I read it again, and it says, if I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. And it uses the name Israel. And I, I showed you guys, this is from James Montgomery Boyce. We were back in chapter, I think it was chapter 32. When God changes Jacob's name to Israel, the combination of the Hebrew words for Israel has been debated. And some pe people say it means governed by God. But actually, Boyce makes a good point, And he says, when the combination is used this way, he says, it's probably best to render Israel as God prevails. You see, when Jacob wrestled the, the angel that night, what happened to Jacob? He got touched on the, on the thigh, right? And he never walked the way, same way again. And in losing, he won. And his name got changed to God prevails. And this is what happens in this moment. Jacob doesn't understand it. He doesn't want to release Benjamin, but he's out of options. And he's, he brings God into it, and he says, look, I am going to send him. And he says, and if I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. God prevails. In the book of Esther, Esther had that moment where she had to go face the king. And Mordecai said, maybe you've been raised up for such a time as this. And Esther said, hey, tell the people in Susa, uh, let them fast for me. Please fast for me. And she said those famous words. You remember in Esther chapter 4? And if I perish, I perish. God prevails. And I think that's what Jacob's doing. And it's showing you something about what's happened and even in Jacob's heart. And this is the story of what it means to be a Christian. It means that God is going to prevail. And if God is going to prevail, that means you have to surrender. Oh, 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 oh. so hard, isn't it, to surrender? So hard to wave the white flag and say, okay, God, you can be God. He doesn't really need your permission. I'm sure you're figuring that out. You know, we think he does, though. God, I think uh, today, it's a Tuesday. Uh, you can be my God today. No, he's God no matter how you pray or, you know, how you want to manipulate events. You have to surrender. You have to say, God, may your will prevail in my life. That's what God was doing in the life of Jacob. And this was a hard moment because Jacob doesn't see the story from our perspective. He doesn't know this Egyptian ruler is Joseph. He doesn't know that his whole family is going to be spared. He's going to have a place in Goshen. He's going to be blessed to see a son that he thought was dead is alive again. And he's going to have to just surrender. And that's the hard thing about surrender is we have to often surrender without seeing. If I could just see the end of the road, it would be much easier to surrender, God. Father, could you show me? Uh, I don't want to just see step A. I'd like to see M, preferably Z. Can I get a amen? <laughs> but here we are, and God says, I want you to walk by faith and not by sight. I want you to trust me. I'm going to prevail, right? You have to surrender. That's the hardest thing. And Jacob is, has come to this crisis moment, but it, he says, look, I'm going I'm to put my trust in El Shaddai. I'm going to pray that this man shows you mercy, and I'm going to release the son of my right hand. And if I am bereaved, I am bereaved. Jacob 
resolved to release the only son he had left from Rachel. And he was releasing him basically to God. He was saying, God, I'm going to give him to you. Please, work in a mighty way. Work in this man's heart. For all he knows, this man is a pagan ruler who may even think he himself is a god, a worshiper of pagan deities. He really has to trust the Lord. Sometimes God puts us in a place where the only option we have is to trust him. Oh, those are uncomfortable moments. Because if I have exit plans, if I have escape hatches, if something doesn't happen and I can still figure it out, then I'm much more comfortable. Anybody else? (laughs) But if God says, look, it's me or it ain't going to happen, then that's faith. Do you remember when they were carrying the ark and they were going to cross the Jordan and God said, I want the priest to take the ark. You're gonna, they're going to lead the people. The, uh, Joshua tells us that the Jordan was at flood stage and I want the priest to set their feet in the Jordan and I'm not parting it until they step in. And there's been historians and those who study the topography of the land who say that the flood stage means the first step wasn't just, is it 85? I don't know if I want to go in the water today. No, the first step was a step over your head. If he doesn't part the river, you're in over your head. And look, that's a true step of faith. A step of faith is not Hmm. Now, I'm not saying to be reckless, okay? But if God has the ark on your shoulder and tells you to step in, then you obey him, right? And they did. And God parted the river and he held the water up like a heap and they had to stay there while about a million people crossed. Can you imagine? Hurry up! (laughs) The water, speed it up, please! And so... The men took the present, verse 15, they took double the money in their hands and Benjamin, and then they arose and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. I'm sure that as Jacob was watching them go away, he, his heart had to sink. He was, for all intents and purposes, alone. When Joseph saw Benjamin, so now uh, fast forward, they've already arrived in Egypt with them, he said to his house steward, bring the men into the house and slay an animal and make ready for the men are to dine with me at noon. This almost sounds like the prodigal story, at least in some respect. I'm sure on the other side, in Egypt, Joseph had been waiting with bated breath. He didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't know what the brothers were going to do. He didn't know if dad was going to release Benjamin. I don't know if he had any interaction with Simeon. I don't know how long this time went by, but it must have moved very slow. And then he sees the men coming. He sees his brothers coming. And I'm sure his heart was thrilled. And he saw Benjamin, the brother that he has not seen for, what would it be, over 20 years? I mean, it's been a long time. Can you imagine having a little brother you haven't seen for 20 years? He wondered if you'd ever see him again. So he saw Benjamin, and he, he sets this all up, and he says, bring them in into the house, slay an animal, make ready, and tell them we're to have lunch at high noon. Pastor Michael added that, but yeah. So the man did as Joseph said and brought the men to Joseph's house. Now, they show up, they've got the brother, and the men were afraid. 
because they were brought to Joseph's house and they said, is it because of the money that was returned in our sacks the first time that we were being brought in that he may seek occasion against us to fall upon us and take us for slaves with our donkeys? Man, they're thinking the worst. They're like, why, why is he inviting us into the house? I don't know. This is weird. Is it because of the money? As he said, an ambush for us. It was well known that uh, Egyptian rulers at this level often had dungeons in the, in the bottom of their house so they could have prisons right there. They're thinking, what are we walking into? I don't know. Are you a person that assumes the worst or the best in life? When opportunities come your way or you meet people, are you instantly negative or positive? Is the glass half empty, half full, overflowing, or do you have no glass at all? <laughs> are you that kind of person? There's not even a cup to drink out of. Let's not talk about how much water's in there. You are listening to Living Truth Radio with Pastor Michael Lance. I'm Mike Massaro, and I know what you're thinking. Wait, why are you interrupting Pastor Michael's sermon? Well, I have a good reason. Since Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported program, it relies on donations from people just like you to stay on the air. And trust me, you can't always assume that someone else is going to be the one doing the donating. So if God has blessed you through our ministry, we'd encourage you to go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the donate button. Let's face it. The way the world's going these days, we need all the solid teaching we can get. So partner with us today. That's livingtruthradio.org. Now, back to Pastor Michael. And so they quickly want to talk to the house steward. They say, hey, come here for a second. Oh, my Lord, 20. We indeed came down the first time to buy food, and it came about when we came to the lodging place. Shh, shh, I'm talking quiet. I can tell the story. I added that. That we opened our sacks, and behold, each man's money was in the mouth of his sack, our money in full. So we brought it back in our hand. Here's the money. We're not thieves, we promise. We have also brought down other money in our hand to buy food. We do not know who put our money in our sacks. Now, they want to make sure this guy understands. What a, you know, we, we discovered this later. We promise. And he said, this is the house steward now. He said, be at ease, calm down. Literally, the language is peace to you. Don't be afraid. Notice this. This is the house steward. Your God and the God of your father has given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money. I received your silver, NIV. Then he brought Simeon out to them. He says, look, boys, calm down. Take a chill pill. It's all right. I know that you paid the money. I know what happened here. Calm down. The God of your fathers is in all of this. Who is this house steward? Is he a Hebrew? Is he someone who has been converted to the true God by Joseph himself? I wouldn't doubt it. But he speaks words of calm. And then Simeon comes out. Now they might have been thinking, oh, Simeon's probably been sold off to some other caravan. Who knows where Simeon is? And now Simeon comes out. And he's looking pretty good. Looks like he's been fed, taken care of. The steward literally says to them, Shalom lakem. God is with you. You are not enemies, you are friends. And the man brought, uh, the, then the man brought the men into Joseph's house and gave them water. And they washed their feet and he gave their donkeys fodder or food. 
So they prepared the present for Joseph's coming at noon, for they had heard that they were to eat a meal there. And when Joseph came home, they brought, they brought into the house to him the present which was in the hand, in their hand, and bowed to the ground before him. Another fulfillment of Joseph's dream, right? At least in part. Then he asked them about their welfare. You're going to see the word shalom whenever you see the idea of welfare or well. He asked them about their welfare, shalom, said, is your father well, shalom, of whom you spoke? Is he still alive? He has questions. They said, your servant, our father, is well, shalom. He is still alive. And they bowed down in homage. Now, Joseph has found out what he wants to know because he wants to see his dad again. And he lifted his eyes and he saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, his only true brother from both parents. And he said, is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke to me? And can you imagine the last time you saw him, he was just little. Now he's a grown man with a five o'clock shadow. Probably more because the Hebrews had beards. Is this him? Yes. Is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke? And he said, may God be gracious to you, my son. This is what we find in the Aaronic benediction in number 625. And to my knowledge, it's nowhere else in scripture. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Joseph says, he says, may God be gracious to you. And Joseph hurried out for he was deeply stirred. Literally, he was, his compassion grew warm as the Hebrew over his brother and he sought a place to weep and he entered his chamber and wept there. And can you imagine the, the brothers are watching all this. They've got water for their feet, food for their donkeys. He looks at this kid and he says, God, be gracious to you. And then he runs out of the room. And they're like, this dude is weird. Where's he going? I don't know. What's he up? He looks at Benjamin and runs out, finds a place to weep, weeps there for a while. And God has made Joseph's dreams come true. He's probably about 40 years old. He's seen his little brother again. I wonder how many nights he wondered, will I ever see my brother? Will I ever see my father? God is a God who makes dreams come true. As long as they're his dreams. Amen? Amen. If he gives you a dream, he gives you a vision, he says, this is what I'm going to do. You hold on. He will bring it to pass. And so now it's come in God's way and in God's time. You know, when Joseph originally had the dream and shared it with his brothers, he's 17. Let's just assume for the moment he's 40. That's 23 years. Some of you have been praying over things for a long time. You've been holding on. God has spoken to you. And you've been saying, Lord, I believe you're going to do this. But here's the thing. This is what we learn in Joseph's story and a bunch of other stories in the scripture. God does things in his way and what? In his time. He never seems to be in the same hurry that I am. I'm always trying to speed things along. This is, Pastor Michael, this is a confession. I like, let's go. Let's get it done. And God's often saying, slow down. Just trust me. So he washed his face and he came out and controlled himself and said, serve the meal. So they served him by himself and them by themselves. And the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves because 
The Egyptians could not eat bread with the Hebrews, for that is loathsome to the Egyptians. Wow. They didn't want to eat with them. The Hebrews probably thought, oh, that's fine. You eat over there. Some family meals we set up this way, they're particular family members. We put at a different table in a different room. Just kidding. We, we don't. We don't really do that. <laughs> we've had thoughts of it, but we've never really followed through. So, verse 33. Now they were seated before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, the youngest according to his youth, and the men looked at one another in astonishment. I mean, they looked around, they said, wait a minute, we're in, we're in our exact order. How does he know this? I don't know how he knows Seated by age, birthright, feasting in the home of the viceroy of Egypt. And now their fears are dissipating in the beauty of a meal. There is irony here again. For years ago, they had sat down to eat a meal while Joseph was separated from them and pleaded for his life from a pit. One writer says, again, such mercy. But whereas in the first meal, Joseph was the victim, now he is the victor. For Joseph, it was like he was back home again. He had longed to eat this meal with them and to tell them who he really was. Can you imagine Joseph's emotions? His little brother's there. He's back with all his brothers like it used to be at the breakfast table years ago. God has brought everything back to Joseph. You ever just taken a snapshot of your life and realized how many blessings God has put into your life? You should do that. Life can speed by us so quickly. Slow down and try to take some snapshots, man, because we have a lot of blessings to count. And even if we've suffered some loss, God is good. Jesus said to the apostles the night before he would die on the cross, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And in the upper room on that night before he faced the cross, they had a meal together. And Jesus transformed or changed the, the Passover uh, meal into a meal that would remember the true Passover lamb. As he took the bread and said, this is my body, took the cup and said, this is my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. As they sat there, the oldest to the youngest in awe and mystery, there's a great significance in this meal because to have a meal with someone in that culture, it meant everything. And Jesus says to us tonight, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone would open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. It's a great evangelistic verse, but it's actually written to a church. If you will open the door, I will come in and dine with you and you with me. Jesus is speaking of intimate fellowship, and he took portions to them from his own table. I think this is another test. But Benjamin's portion was five times as much as any of theirs. He got five times as many pancakes as the other brothers. You imagine that? You, got, you know, you got your plate, and then it's a, like a, a good portion, but then they're piling on Benjamin's place, plate five times as much. Now, this is a test because I think they were wanting to see if the brothers would, you know, try to fork an extra pancake or go, hey, why is he getting more food? Why is he being favored above us, which was the original issue with Joseph, and Joseph knew it. But even though he received five times as much as theirs, they feasted and they drank freely with him, and they had to be looking at each other going, is this real? Yeah. 
the second highest ruler to only to Pharaoh. We're in his house. We're, we're feasting. We're drinking. I don't know, but it's pretty cool. I don't even mind that Benjamin has five extra pancakes because I've got pancakes too. And they were celebrating. And this looks forward to a meal that will come at our master's table. I want to tell you that even though this is a glorious moment, that the test will not end. There's going to be one more test, and it's going to happen in the life of Benjamin. And Benjamin's going to be accused of something, and the whole thing is going to come full circle. And some of you who have been coming and you've been sharing in the story of Joseph, you, you're asking this question, when's the big reveal going to happen? I've been waiting. You have to wait just a little bit longer. It's coming very soon. But Joseph has a plan that he's executing, and he wants to see their hearts. You cannot hide heart change. A change of heart always comes out in your behavior. Now, you're not going to be perfect as a Christian. We all know that. But I think Joseph's been doing this to see their hearts. And sometimes God you know, puts us through stuff that our heart might, might be, be revealed. Not that he needs to know it, but sometimes we need to know. Hey, this is Pastor Michael. Thank you for listening to Living Truth Radio today. Excited that you've joined us. Tell a friend about the program you're hearing here. And please keep us in prayer. We have some uh, exciting open doors for new radio stations. We have some exciting opportunities for some new time slots. And we could really use your prayer and your support. If you can give to the ongoing ministry of Living Truth Radio, we'd deeply appreciate it. It takes funds to be on the radio, and we're not a huge congregation, and we appreciate the support that we get from radio listeners. You can give to our ministry through our website at livingtruthcorona.org. If you're anywhere near the Inland Empire and you don't have a home fellowship, you're not connected with a local church, we'd love to invite you to Living Truth Christian Fellowship. The radio ministry that you hear Monday through Friday on your station or on the weekend is really just an extension of the normal pulpit ministry in the life of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. And for those of you who are out of state or out of our area, we consider you family members as well. Uh, Living Truth certainly doesn't replace your local church, but we know you listen and we know you're praying for us and we appreciate it. Thank you for the support that you give to us, the encouragement, the emails that you send. We, we deeply appreciate it. And we know that even when you don't send an email, that you are still part of what's going on and part of the listening family. And we, we appreciate you and we look forward to interacting with you again. If we can be of any help to you, send us an email or a message through the website, livingtruthcorona.org, or you can call us Monday through Friday. We're here 9 to 5 Pacific time at... 951-735-2856. God bless you. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch up to you next time. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona, or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.